Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon tonight. How you doing, Brandon? You're just Brandon tonight? Yeah, just for tonight. You feel like Brandon tonight? Like Brandon tonight? (laughs) Okay, no time for corny jokes. We got a lot of ground to cover. So I do want to say right out of the gate, um, we're aware that that deal between Fox and Disney is almost through, but we have a lot of stuff to talk about. And we just basically made a decision to not talk about it until it was settled next week, just so that we can get all this other stuff out of the way. And honestly, it's probably going to deserve a little bit of time because there's a lot of stuff to talk about there. So we're just going to move on. So the first thing I want to talk about, and (laughs) you shared it with me gloriously, but uh, I had already seen it, which was the uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is covering (laughs) Miles Morales what'd you think of the trailer it looked really interesting yeah the animation was super cool on it i haven't really seen anything like that like they showed a traffic scene for a second and it looked like real traffic and then then you sort of see like oh that's not quite real but the animation was super cool i thought yeah it was really almost realistic yeah so apparently Chris Miller and Phil Lords were asked some questions about the movie and uh, they revealed that Peter Parker, because this is a question like, is Peter Parker alive or dead in this? Because if you're following the ultimate universe storyline, he takes place after Peter Parker's dead. Um, they revealed that Peter Parker is a middle aged mentor to miles. So Peter Parker will be around in it, but it's the spider verse which is something I wanted to get into. This is a storyline that they did not that long ago. I almost think it was like maybe last year or two years ago that they did the Spider-Verse comics. But this was one of the sweet things about having the Marvel Unlimited app, which I'm actually going to pay for again here pretty quick. But um, there was seven core issues for the story, but there was 31 issues altogether that dealt with the Spider-Verse. And uh, it was great for me, except for the Spider-Man 2099 stuff. I'm not a big fan of Spider-Man 2099, but the rest of it was gold for me. And uh, they basically brought in every version of Spider-Man ever. All like <laughs> essentially, the story is that there's this um, like these kind of immortal. They're immortals, like these immortal people that are going and killing every single Spider-Man to gain power or something. I don't remember the purpose of them doing it, but um, they basically feed off of all the Spider-Men. So they're going after every version ever. So you just get hundreds of Spider-Man in this and like some that they made up and like other ones, like they had Spider-Gwen, which was made up and is a comic now where it's basically like on that field trip that Peter Parker takes, Gwen Stacy gets bitten by the spider. And then I think Peter Parker dies at some point. But um, so Gwen Stacy is the one with spider powers. They have the Spider-Man noir that they did for a while, which is like Spider-Man in the 20s, which is pretty cool. They do the Japanese version of Spider-Man where he's got a giant robot. <laughs> uh, they do Miles Morales, of course, from the Ultimate Universe, um, who's now in the, the 616, the regular Marvel Universe. They call it the 616. But uh, they have the Spider-Man where... Dr. Octopus like takes over Peter Parker's body for a, a year of the comics, which was really fun. If you haven't read those issues, I highly recommend it. Like they were just, they were fun. It, it was really like a lot of fun. Yeah. Cause he starts out, you know, like with villainous intent. And then he, when like it appears that Spider-Man's dead, he suddenly feels a responsibility when he has all the wave of like memories that Peter Parker has. And so he he vows to become a better Spider-Man and he does it for a while, but he can't help but be Dr. Octopus. So like he starts to become evil basically. (laughs) And uh, through his perspective, he's not evil at all, of course, but it's really messed up. Like he captures all these super villains and keeps them in like, this prison and he does all these experiments and shit on them and like he breaks people's arms when they're like jaywalking and shit like there's just so much stuff that he does that's messed up uh they have the toby Maguire version of spider-man they have the andrew garfield version of spider-man they have a tom holland version of spider-man they have 
like certain cartoon versions of Spider-Man, like with his amazing friends from like the early eighties where it's got all the kind of still seventies holdover music. Nice. They have every version of Spider-Man. Like I was so pleasantly surprised at first. I was like, what the fuck is this? And started reading it. And then when I realized like all of the stuff they were doing, I'm like, Oh my God. And then they started doing like deep, deep pulls where I'm like, Whoa, they got that one too. Like I, I can't say for sure, but I think they got every version of Spider-Man that ever was. It was very impressive. I really liked it. But anyway, so they're covering that. So when they say that Peter Parker is a mentor to him, it could very well be that Peter Parker died in the in this universe, and it's one from the other universe. But I think this is a really smart way to do a first movie, even though it's such a fresh story. Because A, it's a good story, but B... It also sets up and the viewers that like there's all these different Spider-Man, like there's different versions of Spider-Man. So like the fans that get upset about Miles Morales, i.e. like Nazis or whatever, which which I said, if you're still listening, just tune out, dude. Fuck off. We don't want you. <laughs> Nazis. Actually, you can listen if you want, but be open-minded because <laughs> you're going to hear some shit that's uh, radically left. So just fucking deal with us. But anyway... um. So I, I think this is a smart way to start out the, the Spider-Man universe. Do you know anything about the Spider-Verse or any of this? Not really. Not really. But trailer looks pretty cool. It was I mean, I I was really interested in it. I mean, it doesn't come out till what, Christmas the next year? Yeah, two thousand eighteen. So Yeah. But I like that they're doing it. I've talked a little bit about this before when they first brought it up, but I really like the idea of them doing an animated superhero movie for the big screens like there's so much more area you can hit with superhero stuff if you start introducing animated stuff and i really like that i do like i'd like my live action stuff but there's more stories you can tell and by doing these big budget animated movies you can just get such better quality than you can do with the straight to video stuff yeah and like get such better talent too and that's not to rip on anybody who's doing the other stuff but Marvel's animated stuff has been lacking. Like DC does a pretty good job for the most part, but even they get shitty ones sometimes. So I like the idea that they're doing this big budget one and bringing all the big guns in. Uh, Kind of related to that is that Venom, there's some news off of the new Venom movie that they're doing. So apparently they're going to base it primarily off of two arcs, Lethal Protector and Planet of the Symbiotes. And it will take place in San Francisco. So I think it was Lethal Protector, which is where they really start to shape that Venom is an anti-hero at this point. Uh, he's not just a villain anymore. And so Peter Parker and Eddie Brock agree that they're going to go their separate ways. And as long as they don't get in each other's way, they'll be fine. And so they're going to they're gonna do that storyline in addition to Planet of the Symbiote. So the, sim- the Symbiote suit basically spawns off five more symbiotes to fight. So I don't know if they're going to do that, but there's been a lot of talk that Carnage will be in this movie. So if that's the case, they'll probably make him one of the symbiotes that spawns off. Um, So that was kind of interesting. They also, uh, Woody Harrelson right now is in talks to play some sort of henchman, and that would re-team him with Ruben Fleischer, who's the director of this movie, and also Zombieland. Nice. So that that's kind of cool. Like Woody Harrelson has been killing it. He's like every movie he's in, people love working with him, and he's been doing a lot of shit lately. So yeah. Um, I also I did see some. They released some stills from the movie today, the Venom movie, and Tom Hardy looks fucking badass in it. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow I miss the stills, but. <laughs> I know I clicked open the window and I think I closed it by accident because I just to let you behind the curtain really quick. So when I prepare for the show, I do deep dives in a bunch of websites and uh, I just open up a ton of windows and I just open anything that looks interesting. I tend to do this either Monday night or Tuesday morning, but I definitely do it at some point on Tuesday. I, I will often start it on Monday and then finish it on Tuesday but I'll open everything that looks interesting and then just read through everything. So it takes me hours to like do research for the show. But uh, somehow I, I closed that window. I don't know what happened, but didn't even think about it till just now. Um, so it's, it's kind of looking cool, the, the news that's coming out from there. Uh, Jessica Jones, uh, 
has a trailer out for season two. Did you happen to see it? No. So the thing that really stuck out to me in the trailer is there's a part where uh, where she's riding in a car with somebody and she goes, ugh, if you say with great power comes great responsibility, I swear I'm going to throw up on you. <laughs> I love it. So that's going to premiere on March 2nd. And then the other piece of kind of rapid fire news that I got is the Punisher is being renewed for a second season. So net, apparently it's been successful enough for Netflix is doubling down on it. So I got to say, uh, I watched two more episodes since we last recorded. I'm liking it more. It, it's definitely not super psycho Frank Castle, which has got me interested. So, you know, they do a really good because I'm about six or seven episodes through it. Oh, now. shit. So you watch some too. Yeah. And it's a really interesting character study. I mean, as far as people with uh, PTSD, like, um, just seeing, you know, the after effects of war veterans. Yeah. And, I mean, it's really interesting to watch that part. Some of that show drags quite a bit in my mind. but Something that Netflix Marvel shows suffer from quite a bit, too. Yeah. You have to kind of hang with them for a while. I almost, I, I've been thinking about this, um, about the criticisms and what I liked about the shows and what I don't like about the shows. And I really think that they're, they're probably not shows that you should binge watch a lot of the time, or at least not more than two. That's where I've been watching them is all, you know, if I got a evening where I'm just watching TV myself, I get two yeah. episodes in. I mean, by the end of those, it seems really dark, and I'm like, I got to watch something different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, um, I feel like those shows, like, they're they're they tend to be dense and they're very close to an hour. Like, you know, they're usually like 50 minutes to an hour for an episode. So it's like, I think a lot of people just sit there and they like knock out like 13 at a time, like right when they drop or whatever. And so they get burnt out on it. And, uh, it might be a show that needs to breathe a little bit. Like I did that with Jessica Jones. I really took my time with Jessica Jones. I wanted to binge with them, but I feel like it was over a Christmas break or something because my mom was visiting. It might have been like Christmas a couple years ago or something that it dropped. But I remember like I only got to watch one here and there and I fucking loved every second of it. And I think part of that was I didn't binge the shit out of them. So Luke Cage, I binged the shit out of and no regrets. Like I watched <laughs> Luke Cage in two days. I watched it in like a seven hour block and a six hour block. So <laughs> happened on my days off. Anyway, um, so in the wake of Justice League not performing to expectations, uh, DC is restructuring. They knocked John Berg out of the top spot, which he held with Jeff Johns, and they're leaving Johns at the top alone at the moment, but they're also saying they're going to make Jeff Johns more of an advisory role. So I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it made me think about Kevin Feige at Marvel and how lucky they are to have him. Right. Because here's the thing with Jeff Johns, like not a lot of movie experience he's been getting in the last couple of years. Whereas like Kevin Feige started out as a assistant to Richard Donner and worked his way up in movies also happened to be a big comic book fan. And, uh, that's just a combination that's gotta be hard to find for starting a, a whole world, you know? So I don't know how this is all going to shake out by the time they're done, but Aquaman's pretty much in the can from what I understand. So we're getting that one for sure. It sounds like we're getting flashpoint for sure. And it sounds like we're getting a Batman movie for sure. And wonder woman two for sure. So it seems like there's four movies coming down the pike for sure. Outside of that, it's all murky as to how it's going to go. But yeah. And I think a lot of it's going to depend on how some of those other movies are received. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Like Justice League had a hill to climb when it came out and it it's it's doing fine. I mean, it did half a billion already. So, people saying it's not successful. It is successful, but it's not you have to meet expectations or suits get angry. Yeah. You know. And uh right now it has not made as much money as any of their other movies. 
that have come out. And so that's, that's pretty rough when you realize that, um, this is like all of those heroes put together other than the suicide squad. Like it's all of these people put together and it, you know, by now it should have outperformed at least two of them. You would think, yeah. you know, and then also it was the lowest opening weekend for a DCEU movie. So yeah, I, I'm wondering how Aquaman's going to do when it comes out. If Aquaman's next down the pike, I'm not sure exactly what's coming out next for sure, but it's definitely a sea change at DC, which honestly they needed. They did kind of need a sea change. I just don't know if it's going to be better or worse, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to say at this point. Yeah. It could definitely get worse. They just need Flashpoint. Yeah. Start over. <laughs> that seems like it's got, the speculation more and more is that's what's going to happen. So, uh, Brian Singer is being sued, and I apologize if I mangle this name, but by Cesar Sanchez Guzman for raping him on a yacht in Seattle when he was 17 in 2003. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, another one. And it was right around that time period where the other two big lawsuits I was talking about last week happened. Uh, USC Film School removed Singer's name on his request uh, so that he didn't damage the school, but it was also on the heels of 4,000 students signing a petition to remove it. So, and Singer right now is trying to act like it's not a big deal. Like, oh yeah, I got two movies that I'm working on. Like, this wasn't really a big deal. Like, it's like, no, dude, <laughs> you're the only one who doesn't see the writing on the wall or you're in denial about it, you know? Rape is a big deal. Yeah, it's a really big deal. Um, Dexter Fletcher has been replaced or has replaced him on Bohemian Rhapsody. So they, they'd put Bohemian Rhapsody on hold. They're going to start it back up production again here pretty quick. <laughs> so, dude, that movie, man, I, I feel like it's it's cursed. I feel like we've been talking about this movie for four to five years. I think we have, yeah. <laughs> and it's been in production for longer than that where they've been trying to put it together. So I feel like it's cursed. It feels like it's fucked already, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's... It seems like every time they take a step forward, it's three backwards. Ugh. Yeah, I'm sure Freddie Mercury's ghost is not happy. Yeah, I just... I mean, because it seems like... Because they had really pushing forward, and then they had... Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. They had him going on it, and that progressed for like six months, and then... It was longer than that. It was like a couple years. Yeah, but they were still uh, kicking around the script and figuring out what they were gonna do, and then that fell backwards, and now they got what Terrence Malick, or no, no, it's like Remy Remy Malick Malick. or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, a guy from Mister Robot. Yeah, yeah. I we'll see what happens. (laughs) Um, I got a review for you. Do you happen to see Happy this week? Happy. So that is the movie or the show for sci-fi that has, um, oh my God, I've been saying his name all day and now I just space on Christopher Maloney and Pat Oswald. And so Christopher Maloney plays a hitman and a suicidal hitman at that who used to be a cop. And he goes, he's goes on a hit for some people and winds up in this big bloody battle. And then at the same time, this little girl, is it like a, she's got an imaginary friend named happy that is an animated like donkey slash unicorn that flies around <laughs> voiced by Pat Oswald. And, uh, she's talking to it. So you just think she's like, I mean, they, they paint it like she's just a kid who has an imaginary friend or whatever. And they go to some, tv tv show that's out on the streets in new york where they're they're doing a um like a a special for kids and the kid goes up to see it and loses her mom and then winds up getting taken by this fucking awful looking guy who's dressed as santa claus like a real psychopath and uh, takes her and puts her in a crate and he's like drilling holes in it while she's in it and shit for her to breathe and so 
it just looks horrible but she's like go happy and so then you see happy like flying off and going down the streets and looking for somebody who can see him and it happens to be christopher maloney who just got shot and had a heart attack (laughs) <laughs> like he got shot and that's not a big deal, but then he had a heart attack. So that is a big deal. <laughs> and, uh, this show is like incredibly bloody. Like it's the only thing I can think of that really stacks up to it is Ash versus evil dead. Wow. Like it's, that bloody. is bloody. The opening scene, he's in a bar and he's drunk and he's in the bathroom and he stares at the mirror and all of a sudden he has this fantasy where he like blows his head off and then, like, his head, like, has this pool of blood sloshing around in it. And he starts dancing with all these, like, <laughs> like all this, like, Christmas stuff. Like, elves and, like, Santa and stuff. Like, all hot women and stuff. And, like, dancing with them. There's, like, blood sloshing out of his head while he's dancing around. <laughs> like, that's how this show opens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it Don't ever watch it with your kids. It's fucking, it's brutal, it's bloody, it's dark humor, and it's wonderful. I love it. (laughs) One episode in, I'm sold. So I'm definitely sticking with this one. But uh, it was written by Grant Morrison. The book originally wasn't. I think he's credited as a producer with Maloney and somebody else right now. So uh, definitely check out Happy. It's really good. Um, I've been, we've been taking a dive in the uh netflix show mindhunter okay the david fincher show david lynch or no david fincher david lynch is twin peaks yeah you're right no that show is interesting yeah i heard it takes a lot of true murder cases and sort of strings them together and then also like makes up fictional ones yeah it's a basically like a fictionalization of uh the people that started the uh, criminal profile. Like the behavior, or not behavior, but the, um, I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, basically, basically like the, the, the criminal minds people. The, the people in like Silence of the Lambs, basically. Yeah, and because um, there were two guys in the late 70s that basically started that. And this is a fictional work based on the work that they did. And it's really interesting. I mean, it's... It has a lot of that Silence of the Lambs tone when she's talking to uh, Hannibal Lecter because they keep going back to this uh, guy who uh, um, cuts his mom's head off and, and skull fucks the body. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, he... I mean, he's talking to these two guys like you and I are talking now, just like telling him all about why he did it and how he did it. Cause I guess he wanted to be a cop before he did everything. But like his mom basically just emasculated him. And so he like turned away from everything. So that's why he like humiliated her. So it's, I mean, it's really interesting. I think, and I, I was trying to look this up last night and I didn't get a chance. I think the, the serial killer they're talking to that did all, did all that. I think he was the guy that played the the uh, the villain in Cutbank. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, my, I parcel. Were, yeah. <laughs> my parcel. Yeah, my parcel. That so guy? He's, yeah, he's like a... Oh, Stephen Root. He was in a news radio? That's not Stephen Root. Wasn't Stephen Root the parcel guy? No. Oh, he was in that though, right? I don't remember that. Huh. All right. Well, somebody else then. <laughs> but he's this big, huge, intimidating guy, but like he talks so softly and, and I wouldn't say simple, but like just a real soft spoken guy. So it's, and he's the way, like he talks just really normal and quiet but he's talking about some just fucking horrific shit. Just like it's normal. Like yeah. Like, not a big deal. I mean, he's, like, walking around drinking coffee, just, like, you're <sighs> just like, oh, this is messed up. Yeah, that kind of reminds me, and I've always meant to read this graphic novel. I can't remember what it is, but I'm sure I could find it on the internet really fast if I, look, if I looked it up. But uh, this guy who's, 
was the son of the detective who broke the Green River Killer, like who found out who the Green River Killer was. He had to like basically befriend the guy and walk around and talk with them while like the guy revealed all of these bodies that he had hidden. And he would just say the most messed up stuff and he'd just have to go along with it even though it just made him sick because he knew if he didn't, that that was people that wouldn't be found, you know, possibly ever. And so he knew every time he found something, it would help out families, at least with the grieving process. So he had to deal with it, but it was really, really hard on him. And so his son, like, was a comic book uh, writer and artist, and so he wrote a whole book based off of that. So I kind of want to read that because it sounds interesting, considering it's, like, somebody who's, like, close to it that did the story, you know? Yeah. The other thing I thought was really interesting about this show, and then I guess I'll move on, is that because um, they end up going to different, like Sacramento, and like they're doing some sort of like recruiting, teaching thing across the country. So they'll fly to all different places across the country, and they're talking to police departments and sheriff departments and state troopers and and it's interesting watching the old school type brotherhood you see with police departments mm-hmm. and you see like if you had to describe like a 1978 detective this is the fucking guy yeah. <laughs> how often do they do that thing that they always do in movies where they're just like the FBI is coming to take it over and they're like, this is our case. None of that. Yeah. Really. See that. I always feel like that's probably not a thing for the most part. I don't part. think it really is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, definitely, it's like, it's you're like, trying Oh, to, you're going to take some of my work for me. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah. That. And, oh, I can't fucking find this guy and you have some insight on this. Let's fucking find this asshole. Yeah. Yeah. That, that never made sense to me, that trope, but for some reason it's a trope. So, uh, Quentin Tarantino, it was announced that one of his um, requirements for writing a Star Trek movie was that it be R-rated. And I did a deep dive on this, and I couldn't find where the original source is on this, so I will take hey, that with a grain of salt. He was talking to Variety salt. on this. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he actually had... Oh, let's see. I got an article here. Um Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't variety. It was a uh, deadline. Oh yeah, I did have that deadline Hollywood. That's right. That's why I'm taking it with the grain of salt, actually, yeah. because I don't know how much I trust deadline I Hollywood. There was a quote in here from him directly. Yeah, it's just deadline Hollywood has put out a lot of shit yeah. that's questionable. They put out a lot of rumors and clickbait. So even when you look at the website, it just doesn't look like something you want to trust. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And this is actually quoted part of that, but um this one also talked about the the writers that they're cuz they assembled a writing team for it. Yeah. Um and the writing team they put together, according to this, was uh, Mark Smith of The Revenant. Yeah, uh, I heard that, yeah. Drew Pierce from Iron Man 3 and Lindsay Beer from Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, so I already <laughs> wrote that, huh? Or is in the process. He's already on to something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I, I would say take this one with a grain of salt. Because Deadline Hollywood, I don't know. It could be true. I'm not saying it's not true, but... So, that being aside, what do you think of an R-rated Star Trek movie? I've been thinking back and forth. Part of me wants to go, no, and be There's really There's a lot upset. of me that wants to say no. Yeah, but then part of me is like, there could be good stories to be told in the Star Trek universe, though, too, that are adult. So, I don't know. I... For me, it's more of a wait and see approach. I I I feel like it's better to not have it be rated R, but at the same time, if it's a really good story, yeah, you know. And I'm I'm kind of torn because I just I'm not sure where. 
Tarantino would go like what what he would do to earn an R rating. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, if and it just seems like I mean, this is what really gets me is you know, there hasn't been an R rated movie or Star Wars Star Trek movie up to this point. See, and that's what and and I mean, you have all the TV shows and everything. Nothing about Star Trek, like the whole franchise up to this point, hasn't gone in that direction. Yeah, and like Deep Space Nine came the closest. I feel like because they had a lot of horrors of war kind of episodes. Because like the big overarching thing of that is that like it's basically a giant war, and so part of me like feels like because they've never done the r-rated movie they shouldn't but then part of me is also like is that just me being stuck in my ways because sometimes when you reinvent shit it works really well so i don't know i for me i'm gonna say wait and see i totally understand people that don't want to see the r rating though like i get that um but i mean and and i'm on the fence and i'm I'm on the not R-rated side, but to do, if you got a good story and it needs an R rating, then I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. And also I will say the stakes feel a little bit lower for me because I really like Star Trek Discovery. So it's like. I used to put way more stock into the movies because it was all we had. But now, like, that we have a TV show, it's like, I, I'm okay with them experimenting a little bit, I guess. <coughs> you know, because I already got my Star Trek. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just wait and see on this one. But interestingly enough, Patrick Stewart said he had no conversations with them, but if they wanted him to to play Picard... He totally would because Tarantino's on his bucket list. So that like, and that's not out of the question when you consider that the two stories that Tarantino talked about fleshing out were time travel stories. That is not out of the question. You know what I mean? And what I love to see Patrick Stewart Picard come back is I would love that. Yeah, dude. I'm, yeah, that'd be great, man. And like, if you're talking about doing a version of yesterday's Enterprise, you could have some version of like the Enterprise coming to the future. And so like you can have, you may not be able to get the whole next gen crew, but like it could be Picard as an admiral or he's even still a captain, but he's got, you know, a lot of different crew members. Yeah. You could do something like that, but I don't know. That's probably just, that that very well could be Patrick Stewart inserting himself in the conversation for the future. Like, hey, like letting it be known to Quentin Tarantino. Hey, think of me. Because Tarantino t- tends to write with people in mind. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I mean, obviously Stewart's down. I think Brett Spiner probably, he would be on board with, being in that yeah no, he's not gonna get another independence day movie probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know about jonathan frakes i i think he's pretty happy being behind the camera now two takes frakes but <laughs> <laughs> be interesting if they brought denise crosby play tasha yar back for <laughs> <laughs> she goes back with the old crew but you can't kill off the entire crew of the enterprise either so It'd be interesting how they how they approach it, but yeah, I a lot of intrigue behind that. Um, some news that didn't happen: Hugh Jackman was apparently he he let it go in an interview that um, back when he was making X Men Two, he got offered to play James Bond. So this would have been immediately after Die Another Day was in the can, but not on screen yet. They were all basically confirmed what Pierce Brosnan was saying all along, which was like he was told he was let go right after the movie before it even came out. Um, but like, um, this kind of confirms it because like they were offering it to him already, you know what I mean? 
but he wound up turning it down because he had seen world's not enough and possibly trailers for die another day and was just like uh he said it kind of went in a crazy direction and he said he would do it if it was more grounded and they were like you would have no control over that so he said no which he would have gotten choice. the more grounded ones but like i'm glad he stuck with like i'm glad it worked out the way he did daniel craig's great so yeah and it freed up jackman to do some good stuff so. and that's what he said was between playing wolverine and playing james bond he would have had time for nothing else so that probably would have been a drain on his personal life too i would think like he probably wouldn't get any time to re-energize his batteries in between stuff you know yeah but anyway just an interesting what if uh jordan peele was announced that he's going to be producing the Twilight Zone show for CBS All Access. So that adds some intrigue to it because he was already talking about doing something that was in the vein of the Twilight Zone for a horror anthology show for, I want to say it was HBO, maybe it was Showtime. But I don't know if that's still on the table or not, but now he's going to be involved with Twilight Zone. I think that's a great get because that is a dude who understands different genres. You could just see with all the Key and Peele sketches, like part of the reason those movie sketches were so good was like they understood the tropes and like the tones of, of things. And that's why Get Out works so well too, was like he understands, you know, he like injected something new into an old genre, but he understood the words or the the rules of the genre really well. So I think Jordan Peele is a fucking home run hit for that. Yeah. I think he gets to do whatever he wants right now. Yeah, I think so. This I, might be a peak was, of his career. Like, So the Hollywood Foreign Press announced the nominations for the Golden Globes this week. And Jordan Peele got snubbed for Get Out. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> but it's fine. Zach sort of broke down what happens with the Golden Globes for us one time. And so I can walk it walk you through like all all of the requirements like he had them down but what i also learned is it's essentially it's like five people and like all these actors and directors and stuff go in a room and they kind of talk with the five people and it's almost based off of what they like so the golden globes sometimes are an indicator of what's got momentum but a lot of the time it's really nothing like <laughs> yeah the, they're just their own thing they're the, the only first nomination that came out of Get Out was the, uh, and I can't remember the guy's name, the the main actor. Yeah. Um, and it was, okay, so the fucked up thing about the Golden Globes is because they split apart um, comedy and dramas. Yeah. And he got nominated for best actor in a comedy. Yeah, Golden Globes always piss me off with the way that they put that stuff together. It just never makes sense. And isn't it like drama, comedy, or musical or something like that? Like it's even more egregious. It's comedy or musical and then drama. And I can't remember what goes with drama, but it's like such a strange pairing. And it like when you look at movies, you're like, how the fuck is Get Out a a comedy? Or musical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't put any stock into the Golden Globes whatsoever. So I think it's just an excuse for a lot of celebrities to get drunk on camera and have fun. So I I treat it as such. But uh, let's see. She-Ra. Remember She-Ra? Yeah. Being rebooted by DreamWorks for Netflix. They're doing an animated run of She-Ra. So we don't know a lot about it, but I'm in. I'm fucking (laughs) excited. Dude, me and my wife have watched a shocking amount of He-Man and She-Ra with the kids. (laughs) But I'm I'm not kidding when I say we probably watched somewhere around seven hours of it, which is a lot for this day and and age to watch like any Hanna-Barbera like that's yeah and that stuff was really bad it was really bad (laughs) but like i think that there's a lot that can be done with he-man and she-ra because it is essentially a fantasy show yeah when you break it down and they said that they're gonna update it to the modern world so i'm hoping that she does not like super pink or something (laughs) 
Like they actually update it. <laughs> Maybe a more of the Wonder Woman role. <laughs> but uh yeah. I'm 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 in. I'm in. I'll be watching them with my daughter. I can say it right now. <laughs> that that hits a little nostalgia thing for me that <laughs> She-Ra, I watched a lot of She-Ra. I watched it because I was o- always hoping that He-Man would guest star on it, which he did sometimes. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't like She-Ra. Like, yeah. She-Ra was kind of the shit, you know? Yeah. They were ass-kicking twins. It was kind of funny. I read, like, uh, uh, they were trying to do a quick synopsis of the old She-Ra and realized how insane it was as they were typing it. And they're just like, you you'd have to watch it you'd understand <laughs> you gotta fucking watch it i'll though. break it down real easy it started out as a movie like they actually put it out in theaters and i went to go see it this is not the dolph longer joint this is like an animated movie they put out for he-man and there was like a villainess that he's fighting who is uh teamed with hordiac who is from another dimension and it turns out he finds out eventually that it's his twin sister that they were separated at birth and Hordiac brainwashed her. And so once she's not brainwashed anymore, she has the powers of She-Ra. So <laughs> she starts fighting Hordiac in her own dimension. So that was the story. See, this is like shit that could totally work nowadays. You just have to, you know, frame it differently. <laughs> I don't know. Not have a background that rolls over 20 to 30 times per episode. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, Ready Player One. Did you see the new trailer for it? No. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm not going to get into it because it's it's a lot of things. It sort of, sort of reaffirms what we already knew about it, which is its virtual reality and stuff. But I'm going to pull out some of the cameos that I noticed. Cameos or Easter eggs? Easter eggs. All right. <laughs> but it's cameos of characters, a lot of them. Uh, so there's a 66 Batmobile. Yes. And yeah, and a speed racer car in the race. Uh, we got the DeLorean from the Back to the Future, again, like uh, prominently featured, as well as the Back to the Future sting, where it goes the like whenever something's wrong, you know? Uh, there's the graffiti of a mad ball on one of the trailers on the stacks. Do you remember mad balls? Vaguely. There were these little balls that, like, they were foam. Mm, mm. And they had like crazy fucking. They had like stuff. faces coming out of them and like hands and shit. Not hands, but definitely faces. Like yeah. the, some of them had horns, like big bug eyes. Like there was one that was a mummy that had like kind of. Yeah, I totally that, know what you're talking okay, about. Now. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We had Harley Quinn twice. Once, probably with Deadshot. It was in silhouette. And it was questionable whether it was Deadpool or Deadshot, but I, I'm going to say it was Deadshot or Deathstroke. I mean, sorry. Uh, the other Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was it was uh, Deathstroke, though, because he's owned by Warner Brothers and, and uh, this is being put out by Warner Brothers in association with DreamWorks. So it makes more sense that it's, it's uh, him. There's also the Joker with Harley Quinn in another scene. We got King Kong, <clears throat> Laura Croft hanging out with Chun Li from Street Fighter. Hell yeah! Yeah. Also, Sagat- is she swimming? No, they're just <laughs> hanging out on the street. Uh, also, Sagat from Street Fighter. He was like the second to last boss, I think, in Street Fighter Two. Uh, we had a boombox raise, like done and say anything, say anything. style. Yep. Battle Toads, which I just had a trivia question for at the Montana Club the other night, and Chucky. Chucky <laughs> like made an appearance in the trailer. So uh something else I noticed, they just put out a, a poster for it with the kid climbing up the stacks and it says Ready Player One, different maze to the Easter egg. Like remember the the first logo they had had a, a maze to an Easter egg where the one was so now like it's framed differently so that the maze is different which i thought was kind of cool i was like comparing them but also the kid who's climbing the stacks like his leg is like five inches longer than it should be (laughs) and like i don't know if it's a fucked up if they just missed something on the poster and didn't notice it or if it's just like 
significant somehow or if they purposely put in the mistake but it's definitely the one leg is way too long so (laughs) that that's definitely a thing that was in the trailer um and then also uh, other news that came out with that is ernest klein who wrote ready player one for the um the uh book he's writing a sequel to the book now so i guess having steven spielberg he said something about how when steven spielberg does your property it sort of re-energizes you so <laughs> gotta yeah make and that you know money. all the good buzz that's going around this film has got to be invigorating and and if this is a hit, they're going to want a sequel. Yeah. And you're going to want that sweet, sweet cash from that sequel. When you want the, <laughs> when you get the truckloads of Steven Spielberg money showing up, yeah, you want more of that. Which is weird because, like, his book, I get, like, Eli's been talking to me about it quite a bit because he's a big fan of the book. And he's just, like, kind of upset that Steven Spielberg is not going to have any references to his movies in it. Like, stuff he produced, sure. But he's not going to have, like, E.T. in it. He's not going to have... Um, Indy? Yeah, or, like, Jaws or what. I, I don't know what he referenced, but... Because I think, like, he thinks it's a bit gauche to put that stuff in your own movie. But, like, if you have the guy who you were, like, cribbing off of very heavily for the book directing the movie... <laughs> <laughs> You're probably going to like be super happy about that, right? Like I think from a creative aspect, you couldn't ask for anything more. That's like the perfect director for this, you know? Yeah, I'm totally... I mean, I haven't seen anything that I didn't like about the trailer so far, and I haven't seen the second one. Yeah, and I, I feel like... I don't know. Like, I don't think Spielberg has like put out a big movie, like a big, big movie since like '07. Like, he's done a bunch of movies, but they've been kind of like smaller movies. Like, he'll have like good actors, but they're they're not meant to be blockbusters. You know, he hasn't put out a blockbuster for about ten years, so he's about due to put out another. Yeah, one, so. yeah. I mean, like the I think the last. You're not going to like it, but Adventures of Tintin was the last big movie he put out. Yeah. He, well, he did one since then. It was the one with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tightrope Walking Between the uh, Twin Towers. But that wasn't No, it wasn't a big a, movie. But. Yeah. Like, he hasn't gone for a blockbuster yeah. for a while. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. But anyway... Um, Let's see here. Stephen Capel Jr. will direct Creed 2 because Sylvester Stallone decided to not direct it. He had conversations with Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler, who's directing Black Panther. Yeah, but also directed Creed. He had conversations with them. They decided uh, to go a different, like have somebody different direct it. So Stephen Capel Jr. was handpicked by by the three of them. Uh, we now know that Dolph Lundgren will reprise his role as Ivan Drago. Yeah, yeah. And an unknown actor will portray Drago's son. Smart. You don't want him facing Drago again. That would just be weird. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it would be real weird. Uh, it was written by Stallone and Chio Hodero Coco, or Coker, my opinion, if I mangled your name too badly, who was the showrunner for Luke Cage, so... I, seems like a good pedigree to me. Seems good to me. Um, God. And we were I talking f- about Luke Cage last week, and in particular, how they did a really good job of like fleshing out characters in Luke Cage who had like points of view, like different points of view. That's why I think this guy is going to do a good job with the script because that's what Rocky movies call for. Rocky, when it's at his best is focusing on the characters and the fight second. Yeah. I know that seems antithetical, but it's true. Like you need to nail the characters first because that is 90% of your movie. You know, if, I mean, Rocky is a boxing movie, but the, the boxing is, I mean, you can make any movie a boxing movie. Yeah. But I mean, you really got the character development in that movie and i mean i love the rocky movies i mean i i've talked about you know being kind of down on the rocky movies but 
I mean, I really do like them. Do you really? That makes I, me so happy. <laughs> I really do. I just like playing devil's advocate sometimes. Yeah, that's fair. Do you ever want to sit down and watch all seven of them? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want to do it so bad. I might get I mean, it. It might lead to a divorce. Any day of the week, but... I can sit down, have a beer, and watch Rocky Three. but... <laughs> nice. <laughs> I got it on Blu-ray. I got the first six on Blu-ray. All in one big set. It's great. I had them mostly on DVD, and then I saw the set on Blu-ray, and I was like, ooh. Ooh. Piece of candy. So I even own part five on Blu-ray. We can skip over that one if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean... One through three are fucking gold. Yeah, I don't know. Two's not my favorite. Two's fine, but there's a lot of things I don't like about two. I don't really like what a wet blanket Adrian is in that whole movie. Yeah. She's the worst in that movie, and it's not her fault. It's not the actress's fault. She's just written as, like, shitty in that movie because she's very supportive in the first movie. And, like, it's really interesting watching how they sort of, um, like, how they're very different people, but how they're meant for each other. They're, like, these two people that are cast off by the world, but they work well together. And then the second one, it's like she just betrays all of that because she's worried about him getting hurt. And it's like, but you got with a boxer. You know what I mean? Yeah, you knew what you were signing up for. And then Come she on. seemed fine with it in part three and four and five. And, well, she's dead in six, but... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Michael Che and Colin Jost are now the head writers for SNL. They got promoted. So those are the guys that do the weekend update yeah. on SNL. So and they've been doing it since 2014. So. so Cecily Strong stepped down or? If she was a head writer, yes, or got removed. I don't know. I, well, I she's couldn't still tell you on the show. Sure. I don't know if it's been interesting to but watch this just this just came down the pike hours ago before we're recording this so, so i say before we're recording this but this will go up like a half hour after we finish recording so yeah um and it's because she was doing a lot of i think she was a head writer um and she was doing a lot of the writing and not much acting on the show she did a lot of the weekend update for a while before uh shay and joe took over that role so it could be your contracts up because that does happen in snl they tend to have a couple of people that their contracts run out in the middle of the year so that they can course correct if they need to but it could also be that she just wants to perform and not and she's been writing a lot more prominent on the show as an actress or a performer. So maybe that plays into it then. So, I mean, it that could be part of it too. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. <clears throat> I know that typically if you have them on the show, uh, if you have the head writer on the show, like in front of the camera, they're almost always on Weekend Update. Yeah. And I think that's because they like revise the new stuff up to like right before it airs and so i think it's easier to have like the head writers do that than anybody else if that makes sense but anyway moving on um so seth rogan (laughs) sent out a tweet that i want to talk about uh (laughs) he said i was supposed to do a press tour on sirius xm on tuesday but i'm no longer doing it because i can't bring myself to appear on the same service that has decided to support steve bannon Apologies to the show at shows I had to cancel and fuck Steve Bannon. <laughs> so that was his tweet. Uh, that feels pretty right on with me. Sorry, neo Nazis. Okay You're gonna have to be okay with us talking about this. <laughs> You're gonna listen because Steve Bannon's a piece of shit. <laughs> and apparently, he's doing like a Breitbart show on the Sirius Network, which he was doing before he was with the Trump administration. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. I'm really glad I'm not paying for Sirius right now. <laughs> I would hate to line Steve Bannon's pockets in any way. So I I remember when he stepped down, they had this onion article that says Steve Bannon uh, steps down immediately uh, disperses into millions of spores after saying my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so great. <laughs> I don't think he would dissolve into spores. I've, I, I, I more picture him as like some sort of tentacle monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some Lovecraftian fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, he's the fucking worst. Um, so the last thing I had to talk about. So the FCC is refusing to turn over any records of their net neutrality proceedings to the New York Attorney General's office. This was brought up because they have privacy concerns and just legitimacy concerns about the complaints to the FCC that were put in. Half a million emails were from Russian sources. 7.75 million comments were from fakemailgenerator.com and had nearly identical wording. 57% of comments against net neutrality used fake email accounts or duplicated an email account. So... Like and from what I understand, the vast, vast majority of these fake emails, the ones that they're they're pretty sure are fake, um, are coming from the side that's like, I'm okay with dismantling net neutrality. So the fix is in on this shit. And it's nice that they're exposing this stuff, but do you think it's gonna make a difference? I don't think it will. I I fucking hate it. Fucking hate, hate, hate. That they're dismantling these rules, but I, I mean, it's what the fourteenth is the deadline for re-upping the rules on that or dismantling it, and I don't, I don't think it's gonna. I think it's fucking <coughs> happening. I think Congress might stop it. I I have not do given. You? Yeah, I kind of do. I don't trust the Congress, but I trust that people are fucking calling the senators and representatives constantly and we watched this happen once already where it was supposed to be a quick go through and they were just going to dismantle it and it was something like 90 senators were were all going to vote for it and then all of a sudden not a single senator voted against it and that was a lot of the senators that are still in office today i just feel like this is one of those issues that they're going to have to take a hard look at their constituents and be like, I might not get voted back in. Like, this is a big one. This is a real big one because however you feel about shit, this is like First Amendment and it's something that matters to conservatives as well as Democrats. I don't know of any, like, I know we're in Montana. We know a bunch of conservatives. You know one person that wants to do away with net neutrality? Honestly, that I know of none. Yeah, nobody. It's a, every person you know who's for dismantling net neutrality works for Comcast or Verizon. <laughs> like that's, that's it gets it. paid dearly by fucking Comcast. Yeah, or they're or not Verizon. paying attention, and when their their fucking source for Breitbart starts slowing down, they're going to be like, "What the fuck?" Like this affects everybody who has internet access. This affects everybody who you listens know, to Netflix, it, who who like downloads podcasts on your phone. Every single listener of this podcast. This will affect you. Do you have any idea how long the downloads are going to be? Like, it's going to be fucking insane. If this shit goes through, like, I have to take off the cover art because I know that's going to make the downloads so much bigger. And it should be nothing. It's uh, I Right now, it takes, like, 30 seconds to download an episode of this show. It, it, it could take, like, an hour to fucking download shit. It's not just this show. It's, like, every show. It's a, like looking at Facebook will fucking take forever. You'll get that shit. Remember when you first got on Facebook and you like scroll down the timeline and then it would fucking like wait a second before it scrolled down further. Like imagine that slow down so much more or not being able to watch Netflix, Hulu, fucking um, your porn is going to take forever. <sighs> like uh, your news sites that you look at. The cartoons your kids watch, like everything that's connected to the internet is going to take forever. Do you really want to like, like spend an hour looking at emails because it takes so long to fucking flip through emails? Like all of this shit is in play right now. You know, and it, I mean, beyond all the personal stuff, this will affect business. I mean, what I do at work about, 30% 30% of what I do is online. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm look, I am emailing suppliers and talking with different vendors and uh, contractors. 
I mean, they're going to slow that shit down too. And that is going to be a huge loss of revenue for this country. Imagine how long it's going to take at the DMV who now is, Oh Jesus. Most of these have everything online. Imagine doubling that weight. And now imagine that you can't even fucking use your phone to like pass the time because nothing, everything is going to take so fucking long. Like, it's this affects everybody and the reason why i'm going off on this and i know i have before but i'm sorry this affects every single person who's listening to this call your senator call your representative that's the phase we're at right now the fcc complaints it's out the window at this point they've already done what they did we figured they'd do it we've gotten that point it's now going to be up to the congress to step in and most people who even like like the party that's in in charge in the office like they fucking they're like they have to listen to you if you fucking raise a stink about it they will listen to you i i've never talked about this on the show but there was one time that my wife was um she was doing babysitting and, and she was supposed to get like a like kind of like a subsidy or something for it and uh we didn't get it and we were really really poor at the time and we had gone through all the hoops we were supposed to to go through but it just hadn't gone through so i fucking wrote a letter to the governor and the shit got done i just said like hey i voted for you please like help this happen he wrote a letter back or like an email back to me and then it fucking happened like and it's this you would be surprised at what they listen to like when you write a letter to your center representative the fact that you spent the time to do it like that makes them think that there's a bunch of people behind it. And the more people that write in, or if you go to your Senator's office and fucking like make it be known, you know, if there's protests around this stuff really, truly makes a difference. I realize that it's easy to be cynical and be like, everything's bought and sold, which is true. But at the same time, they can't fucking, you know, like their number one priority is to stay in office. That is their number one priority, and they can't be in office if they don't get the vote. So let them know that this matters to you. That this is where we're at. Like this, every podcast you listen to, everything you watch on the internet, everything you look at on the internet, all of this is going to slow down or go away, and businesses are going to fold because they're not going to be able to pay the extra fees to Verizon or Comcast to stay on. Like we can't let this happen. So I'm telling you, everybody. <laughs> Let me use a poor analogy. Pick up your fucking Home Depot like wiki, wiki torches if you're still listening, neo Nazis, <laughs> and go fucking protest about FCC neutrality. Do something fucking useful for once. But yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Just it, this affects us all, so we all have to fucking God get damn out it, there. You're making us fucking pander to Nazis. <laughs> that's how desperate I am. <laughs> <laughs> But it affects, dude, the internet affects the neo. This is one issue where, like, from neo Nazi to like feminist. Repeat. Like, yeah, like everybody, everybody. <laughs> black, white, it doesn't matter. Like, everybody is affected by this in this country. So maybe it's white people problems. I get it. But it's also black people problems. It's also like everybody's problem. Like, a slow down internet. Is fucking awful. We don't need to go back to 1996 levels where fucking it took dial fu- up. Yeah, Jesus. You want to go back to dial up speeds when you've seen what you see now, dude? We can't even sit through a fucking commercial anymore. <laughs> like, how many people out there watch YouTube and you can't fucking click the thing fast like, enough to skip? You the have commercial. to wait that four seconds to skip. Yeah, dude, I always have the remote in my hand, and I understand on an intellectual like basis that like these commercials are necessary for that shit to propagate. But it's there's something rough about like going to watch a trailer for a movie and having a commercial in front of it. It's like, no, fuck you, I'm watching a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much worse than that. Imagine you want to watch the new trailer for like the new Star Wars movie. So you go online and it takes you like two minutes to load up the page and then you go to click it and it takes you two minutes to load up the fucking commercial that you have to watch before the trailer starts and then the trailer stops 30 seconds into it and then 35 seconds into it and then 40 so you have to pause it and wait for it to fucking buffer for like five minutes. Fuck that shit. We don't have that time anymore. We've already adjusted our entire society so we don't have time for anything anymore. 
Like we need our internet fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Our entire way of life is based around it now. So I'm just saying, fuck all that noise. Like call your senator, call your representative. That's where we're at right now. And we all have to do it. And we all have to say, fuck you. We're not tolerating this. There's other issues with that too. But right now I'm yelling about net neutrality. Okay. So I you have anything to add to that? Yeah, dropping the mic. <laughs> that was my phone, but yeah, no, it's, it's a that, sound effect. Nobody knew. <laughs> <sighs> that was my phone just leaping off in like suicide mode. Yeah, this phone was like, I can't fucking take all the extra time. You're gonna be on me. Fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you really want to go back to paper books? That's where we're going to be. Dead trees. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be killing the environment. <laughs> so it affects environmentalists too. <laughs> All right, this is probably a good place to quit. We're like over an hour in, so. So take- I'm going to respect the outro. If you call your senator. Take it easy. Movies with Restless? Green Lantern's Light? ASL Adventures? Interdimensional Exchange Association? Is this yours? No, your I- Your mother said she found them on your phone. I don't know, a guy must, must have- Must what? Look, Dad, they're not mine. Alien Movie Project? We Had a Good Life? Montucky Skies? Real Roulette? Where'd you get it? Dad- Answer me. Who taught you how to listen to this stuff? You alright? I learned it by watching you! Parents that use podcasts have children that use podcasts. Brought to you by the partnership of the Not Safer Network.